Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boostar, and this week, I sat down with Kai Curry, a graphic designer and 3D artist who has always used art to get away and express himself when he had no other outlet. Here's an inside look on what it means to be a digital artist in 2020. like a toddler i i don't know where i think i was watching too much spongebob there was this crab character i had and he would just like go around wrecking stuff and just like being a total jackass um but then it was actually a really cool story um when i was in kindergarten there was this after school daycare program they had at my elementary school they called it tlc and there was this one uh, lady that was watching over a handful of kids. And she was drawing kids' animals that were named... Like, the uh, the animals based on the first letter of their name. Oh, that's so kind of cool. Like, nice. You have, like, Jacob the Jaguar. You have, like, Larry the Lion. Yeah. Um, what did she do for she, you? She, for, uh, she got to me and she's like, yo, Kai, uh, do you want a koala or a kangaroo? Because like starts with the letter K. Yeah. And at that point in like kindergarten, I never even heard of a koala. So I asked her to draw that. And nice. she did. That's cool. And, That's a cool approach. I like that uh, when you were little, you're presented yeah. with two things. And one of them was something you're familiar with, something you weren't familiar with. And you went with the one that you didn't know. To exactly. draw and represent you. You're like, I don't even know what that is, but that I want to know what it is. So that fascination for learning and that curiosity, has that always been there? Absolutely. And I actually enjoyed that so much that um, I took that koala drawing home and I turned it into like a 20-page comic. Wow. Where like nice. I kind of used her drawing as like as a cover and then I tried recreating it and like putting like a whole story to it and i was in kindergarten so it made no damn sense <laughs> yeah but that's cool man how many kindergartners are uh, you know having those ideas did exactly. you see comics before that or were you inspired by animation and uh, cartoons you were watching mostly animation i grew up with a little bit of calvin and Hobbes, so like yeah. definitely like some of the dialogue in the writing was like a little dry and kind of like a little more adult than mm -hmm. childish but uh yeah, that koala character, um, it actually stuck with me. And even to this day, I'm working on a couple of projects and that koala character is like a small character in that just kind of like as an homage to like, so even though no one else might know, it's like, it helps me remember my roots. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's super, super cool. And who would have thought, you know, that teacher who was just doing that activity that she probably did every year, you know, and just exactly. was having fun with it and... Little did she know, little young Kai is going to be running with that and using it to influence, which is something that's a major part of your life. Did you continue to go into art or was it something that you... Yeah, that was, I think, before art was like an interest of mine. But I think at that point, I that's when I realized I wanted to be an artist for a career or just at least pursue it for the rest of my life because from then on i was always drawing comics i've done a a lot of animations actually as well um 2d and a couple 3d now um and then i do storyboards and i've composed a little bit of music i've written some music like uh on piano and also on guitar um so yeah that creative outlet is just always been there and i can say that i think her name was mary uh -huh. she's the one that got that ball really rolling yeah super and it cool. makes and i'm i don't want to like i see the importance of art and like even if you just do something that you don't really think much of someone might appreciate it and that might get the ball set for them too yeah definitely and did you feel uh that your peers and people that you're growing up with, did they 
I don't know, did they see the art as something <laughs> cool or were they like, you're weird for being into art while the rest of us well, are into other my, stuff? I was, I was that kid that just always doodled and drew, drew in class. Like I was, my childhood was kind of a, a cluster. I don't, do you swear on this podcast? Yeah, dude, you can say whatever you want, yeah. man. Yeah, my childhood was the clusterfuck. So, okay. So, uh, In what way? I was, um, oh man, where do I start? I was the only black kid in my entire school, in elementary school and middle school. Wow. How did that then, uh, play a role in? I got bullied a lot, man. There was, uh, I got beat up. I got made fun of. I would get like, I would take a bunch of body shots and then I would get home and then I'd have to like wear a t-shirt all the time. So my mom didn't see my bruises and all that. Damn. And then also I started, I skipped two grades. So I was a year and a half, two years younger than all the other students. So I was like an easy target. Yeah. But, uh, that's why the art was so important to me. Cause it's like, I was able to express myself and be myself and, reading those old uh comics and storylines i could see like if i had a problem i was going through then it's like that was part of the story yeah did you then, yeah when you were growing up was that something that you talked to your parents about and did you have you know cousins and relatives that were going through a similar things or i talked to my mom about some of it but she, like she didn't know until later that i was getting beat up I, she just knew that i wasn't i was basically like a unicorn because I was the only black kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really have that much family around here. I have family all over the world, but none really by home. So, and being like kind of isolated, even at that young age, I just got used to dealing with everything by myself. And for the most part, just self-internalizing everything. Sure. And your way of expressing yourself or the escape that you had was through your art yeah which didn't have the same limitations i guess you know the society may have or the same judgments you know you can just do art it doesn't matter who you are you know what color your skin is whatever you know all of those things don't go into the factor of just loving to do something mm. and did you when you got into high school was that the first time that you were saw other people of color and felt like you were actually in well, a more welcome. I saw there were people of color growing up. Um, there was like uh, the, it was majority white and then it was Asian. Then there were a handful of Mexicans and then there was a, a few black people. Mm. But I didn't know any of them personally, probably until high school. But even then I was a shut in for a long time until my senior year. Yeah. Did that play, I don't know, how big of a role did that play in your own self-identity? Did you carry yourself with that at all times as a person? And, no, no, because um, my family is, man, I got, so for context, I'm black, I'm Mexican, I'm Honduran, Guatemalan, Irish, Spanish, and Native American. Wow. Um, but growing up, my family, at least my parents didn't emphasize or they didn't teach me what it, uh, like the different parts, like the different cultures. They just, I grew up calling myself black and that was it. Yeah. But it wasn't until college where I actually like did my research and I was like, wow, I'm actually like all of my roots are super interesting. And then I had some self-identity in, uh, college, but not growing up. Yeah. Did that play a role in the type of art that you made? The difference or the, I guess... Oh, yeah, dude. You should... The quality of... Um, I should say the variety in my art changed almost entirely from high school to college. Like, high school, it was very, like, Dragon Ball Z, like, cartoon-inspired. And then college, I'm learning about all these different cultures and how fascinating they are. Then I try to implement the cultures in my art instead of just punching everything like I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's 
so much more important. Did you explore different avenues of art? Were you in high school and middle school just kind of sticking to one sort of medium? And then when you went to college, was it just opening your eyes to a whole different world? There was a lot of... um, I was exposed to a lot of different mediums in college, but as a kid, I started off just pen and paper, and then I got to using ink brushes and uh, kind of like black and white comic style. And then I started using markers and coloring them. And then I got a, I was doing pixel art comics, um, oh, like on cool. a computer. Yeah. And then I got a drawing tablet and I've been doing digital art for a long time ever since then. And uh, I've worked with like sculpture. I've worked with um, wood. I've worked with metal. I've basically, I've done paint. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at painting, but I, I know how to do it. Yeah. Um, I worked with a lot of mediums thinking back on it, actually. Sure. And for you, you want to go specifically into video game development type of art? Yeah. It's um, video game or movies, making the 3D characters, doing the animation. Yeah. It's like a class where you learn how to actually create the skeletons and muscles that let you like move the arms or like curl the fingers and like all that, how to set that up. Nice. That's pretty cool. How does one uh, get into that? industry do you have to make a portfolio and have your work yeah i it's something that i've heard a lot uh growing up as a artist but now that i'm wrapping up college um i heard a lot it's not about your education it's just about your experience and your portfolio Mm -hmm. if i never went to college but i watched a ton of tutorials on youtube how to do 3D and like I practiced and I was able to make some pretty good art and send it into a studio. They would take you for that. Wow. But, okay. Uh, going to college, you are exposed to all these different um, softwares and you get a lot of good practice in that way and you make a lot of connections. So that's helpful. Yeah. So as you're wrapping up your college career, how do you feel about the future and diving into a workforce during this time? Are you nervous or are you excited? I'm actually kind of excited because unemployment is not a joke right now. I'm not going to deny that. But funny enough, in the entertainment industry, because everybody is stuck at home all day, like them and their kids, yeah, there's an extremely high demand for entertainment right now. Sure, that's true. So like animation studios, game development studios are hiring like crazy right now. That's awesome then. That's good. Yeah. You picked the right thing to go into during this time. Uh It's the Uh most unpredictable situation, you know? So I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I think a lot of people are graduating right now into a workforce that they're like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I don't (laughs) know if accounting was the best call, you know? And then... But for you, I think that's cool. How do you feel about uh, just, I mean, this whole time, have you been doing a lot more creating and has it been a good period of time for you to just sit down and dive into? Yeah, what I've, I've been, um, I said before, I'm not good at painting, but me and some friends went down to the beach and uh, I did an oil painting of like the water. Um, I built my own computer and I've been able to, I have like a three a three monitor setup, and I'm able to do all of this art simul like at the same time, and not have to worry about computer limitations. Um, and I've been doing a lot of digital illustration and uh, 3D projects on that. Actually, um, I've been working on my own game. There's a software called Unity Engine, and I've been watching tutorials and like learning how to put together my own game. That's cool. Um, what kind of game? If you want to, or are you allowed to talk on it? Is it kind of like? <laughs> yeah, um, I can. I can. There's um, my big projects, which is gonna take me a couple years to work on, since I'm the only one working on it. And then there's a couple of practice, smaller, like two month projects. Uh, I wanted to the the big project 
I wanted to make um, a game where you can explore this really big and diverse world with like all these different people and cultures in it. And normally in games, like your objective is to just like go from left to right and like kill the enemies and all that. Mm -hmm. But in this game, you're incentivized to actually like talk to all these different cultures and like experience new things and build relationships. And then uh, you can like make your own home and just like go to whichever culture you want. And I wanted to like program enough variables where like you could play the game for like tens of hours. And like each time you go somewhere, there's something new going on. Like maybe there's a, a festival going on. Like there's like a celebration, someone's getting married Maybe there's a funeral and like all based on real life cultures. And then you could see all these, uh, you can kind of like get a small experience of what that might be like. Definitely. Has that played a role in, I don't know, is that a big interest for you as far as cultures and society and people and stuff? How's that? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been um, out of the country quite a few times and it's really easy to think that the rest of the world is just like your home or it's just like um i'll give an example so my uncle is an english teacher in turkey right now oh wow and when he was telling my family about moving to turkey uh my family gave him a lot of blowback Mm -hmm. because they thought that turkey was just like sand dunes and camels right and that he was going to be like teaching to a bunch of like nomads Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then my uncle showed him pictures of turkey and now it's like actually like one of the oldest civilizations on earth and there's just like it's like la if la and new york had a baby it's just like thousands of like millions of people just like all these skyscrapers like amazing food amazing views like these massive marble ruins and like towns and stuff like that it's just like and you would never know because you never look into these other parts of the world and if you don't know you don't know but and i've spent the summer over there to visit my uncle and it's like it's a similar city kind of vibe, but like the culture is completely different and it's really fascinating. So that's super cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm from the middle East. So that's my neck of the woods. I'd love to hear about Uh your experience over there and what you felt or what you thought about. I would imagine. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm imagining they're wearing shelvar. So like the clothes are going to be different. There's streets and there's going to be just a more of a communal area. Right. As far as like, Streets being more compact, stores closer together, things like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Like everybody's like butting shoulders with each other. Um, but nobody like the concept of like personal space is a very American or like a very Western concept. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Especially 100%. in like older European cities, like you have like people that are just like shoulder to shoulder, just like crowds of people and like it's just totally normal for them yeah or public transit when it's just literally oh my god to the brim it's crazy or like driving a car through the streets and there's just like people walking like six inches away from your car because they just they're not afraid of getting hit oh yeah and you have to get used to that too i remember crossing the street and being like all right so when do we go and they're like whenever you feel like you're not gonna get hit and i'm like (laughs) Fucking cool street rules, rad. Uh huh. Or like driving down the the highway and just like people are like driving thirty miles faster than you behind you, and they like they flash their lights because they want you to get out of their way so that yeah. they can just keep steaming ahead. Just constant so honking funny. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. How did that first uh, couple days look for you when you first went to Turkey? And did you have any idea of what you were gonna jump into when you first went? Uh, I've had a few opportunities to just leave California and I just kind of did it as like a spur of the moment um, without doing any research. Um, I was not expecting how similar it would be to like visually to LA. Hmm. Um, But then also 
how like honestly like the besides like the um personal space and the um the language barrier it was very similar to home although everybody smokes and uh that was something to get used to i remember getting back from turkey and like landing in lax and like i took a deep breath of the la smog and it actually smelled really fresh wow yeah <laughs> that's a major thing too i think little things like that that people don't always think yeah. of when they travel you know the smog the air um mm-hmm. the stars the street lights the different things like that that you're not aware yeah. of that's cool that turkey was similar to la um mm-hmm. i don't know when i think of pakistan it looks nothing like anywhere in california because it's just i mean i don't know it's an underdeveloped world country i'm not quite sure what turkey is but i would imagine it seems like it's a lot a little bit nicer for sure if it looks similar mm-hmm. to la um, what'd you do when you were over there? Were you just visiting and... Yeah, my uncle has a... I have four nephews over there, so they were... I think the oldest was eight and the youngest was born three days before I showed up, so... Wow. There was about a week or two where I was just uh, helping babysit and exploring the city my uncle was in. Um, and then after those two weeks, my uncle and I just did a road trip of the rest of the country and that's where i got to see uh like the grand bazaar um which is like this massive marketplace with like people from all over the world like actual tens of thousands of people like at the same time like that's where like there's a lot of haggling for like prices and yeah it's actually weird if you take their initial price because you like want to lower the price and yeah you're not supposed to like what you see in movies Yeah. yeah Um, and then like all these people trying to sell you stuff, but like, I was more impressed with like the ruins and, um, the scale of everything. Yeah. It's insane to think that like someone from like two or 3000 years ago made something out of like this perfectly polished marble Mm -hmm. that's bigger than like most buildings we have today. Right. Like I have pictures of me standing next to these pillars that are just like, honestly like bigger than like a two or three story like department store yeah no it's crazy and you're seeing like real history that you read about you know um, and then it's cool too because um in the marble a lot of places there are these um square shapes like carvings into the grounds and because my uncle lived there he already knew but apparently um there was a time when roman soldiers were coming in into turn like uh basically like taxing the place and doing all this stuff and in the marble floor they would actually like carve out this game of like it's kind of like tic-tac-toe and you could see like this ancient game of tic-tac-toe that people were playing thousands of years ago wow that's amazing Jeez, yeah i had no idea that's super cool um how did that when you came back did it change you know what major changes did you have as far as who you were and your perspective? I think that played a big part into the um, self-discovery phase I was telling you about earlier Mm. where it made Mm me more interested in what cultures I'm from and doing, having a more open mind to cultures from around the world, how like other, even underdeveloped countries like Guatemala or Honduras, like, even though it's not like tech savvy, there's still a lot of interesting things to learn about yeah. and how to embrace it and how basically every single different one of those cultures made me who I am today, or mm-hmm. at least I have more to discover about myself than I know. Yeah. What do you, um, what do you think is like a really important thing that you learned about yourself that you may not have? known until you had to go through that um like culturally or just about myself just uh about yourself like who you are as a person or maybe a change in feelings like did your confidence change did your whatever you know or did you become more extroverted or something you know yeah um 
Yeah, I've been progressively becoming more extroverted the older I get. I think that just comes with age and with confidence and with wisdom. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that doing research and learning about like all of my ancestors and what they've accomplished, what they're like, I was saying with Turkey, like people from thousands of years ago, what their hands, what they can create that like impresses people even to this day where people will fly from all over the world just to see what these people made. It made me um, want, how do I say this? It made me um, become more brave with things that I create. It made me want to create something that will last and it makes me more... um, concerned about my legacy like Hmm. what i'm gonna leave behind yeah so uh what would be the ultimate goal what would be your ultimate like project or thing that Uh, you would want to create i've been working on a project for a while um similar to the game uh i want to have a story i don't care what format if it's a movie or a game or if it's a book or whatever but Mm -hmm. i want to encourage people to talk to each other and to be willing to compromise and like you hear about all these like countries around the world that are like in turmoil and like that's your only impression of the countries because the news only tells bad news basically mm-hmm. and instead of demonizing someone you don't know if you actually take a minute and talk to them and you can see how similar they are even though they live across the globe from you and i think that especially in this time with all the terrible things going on uh i think we need to have a message like that more than ever yeah what would be i don't know when you see the other countries around the world being in turmoil but you do see our country you know with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and everything, people coming together mm-hmm. and starting to make some changes in the right direction. You know, do you see that as such an important thing from how you grew up and spent, you know, your elementary and your middle school years feeling like you were different and then seeing that kind of stuff on the news? Is that something that you're finally like, oh, people are <laughs> starting to hear us or understand yeah it does make me very hopeful because um regardless of how the law changes mm-hmm. i'm seeing a big change in people that i know people around me oh wow uh, that's awesome i in my own personal experience uh uh i walk i have a dog and i take her out for walks every single day yeah and um it's a mostly white neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I've grown used to the fact that when I walk my dog I have to smile and wave at everybody because if I don't sometimes they get these looks of people looking at me like they're afraid like a that I might jump them or something like they turn to me they see me and they kind of like start walking the other direction like they might power walk to their front door and slam it behind them or they might grab onto their purse or something like that, like things that I notice. Hmm. And I've actually gotten a couple apologies since these uh, riots started. Really? People coming up to you and saying, I'm sorry for... Mm -hmm. They're saying like things like, we're sorry for like how we've been treating you. Like they say, like, you're always so nice. You're walking your dog and you always like smile. You might start a small conversation and... I told them how I felt, like how I just told you. And one lady started tearing up and I gave her a hug. Wow. Uh, Is that something that you, I don't know, have you lived in that house or that neighborhood for a long time? Have you known these people for a long time? Yeah, I grew up um, basically within a 20 mile range my whole life. Um, So, and I've lived... I'm at my parents' house for a little while and I've known a lot of these neighbors for maybe like 
at least five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, and they were still doing those things when you walked by. Yeah. I mean, like, it's unfortunate, but it just kind of became a habit for me where if I see a car drive by, even if the windows are tinted, I just like stop and smile and wave. Or if someone's walking in the opposite direction as me, like towards me, then like I'll smile and say hi. And like I'll just like a lot of people might just think it's a courtesy. But like I said, if I don't, then people would get scared sometimes. And yeah, that's when I would start to smile and wave at them. You're literally doing it to almost protect yourself. Yeah. Which is insane for people to think, you know, just you having to smile and wave in order to feel better. The year I moved into the community, there was a a old woman that was arrested because um, we have a private beachfront on the lake where I live. And apparently there used to be a 10 p.m. curfew. And there was somebody who was on the beachfront past the curfew and this old woman had a shotgun and she tried shooting at him. Wow. And this is in like South Orange County. This is like not, we're not in the country. Like we're not, Yeah. we're not in Alaska. Like this woman just like in a gated condo community shot at somebody with a shotgun. Wow. Like that's the kind of things I think about. Yeah. Um, I think it just stems from, you know, a fear, right? They're scared of. Yeah. But of, of what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're in like one of the safest like cities and like counties in the entire world. And mm-hmm. what do you have to be afraid of? I think for, you know, a decent amount of people even though we live in Orange County and just, I mean, other parts of the world, it doesn't, or yeah, I mean the world in general, but the United States more specifically, there's groups of people that are seeing what's happening on the news and they're probably like, oh fuck, you know, because they've benefited solely from just years, hundreds and thousands of years of just being on top. And suddenly that's changing. Suddenly America is starting to look a little bit more diverse than they were hoping. Mm -hmm. And for them, that's, that's a direct threat to who they are. So let's, I think, do you know the comedian Bill Burr? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has like one of the funniest quotes where he talks about like how white people that are in America think that America is this like ancient country. Um, yeah. But like we were, the Declaration of Independence was like 1776. And like if you got a really healthy person, they can live to be a hundred. So America is only three people old. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, totally. How Caucasians immigrated here from Europe, how they're not even the natives of this land, but they mm-hmm. treat everybody else like they're immigrants. Right. That's no, crazy. I think it's one of those statues that's put in front of one of the museums, Natural History Museum or something, but it has Theodore Roosevelt on a horse and it has like an African-American slave right next to him and a Native American mm-hmm. right next to him. And they're both walking And, you know, it's just, that's such a representation. But the crazy thing about that is that all of that was based on them coming over and being like, we're the best around the world. So we're going to like come and oppress these people who had no idea what was going on. You know, they were just living their lives. And then, I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever taken the Chicano history class or like any kind of like, Native American or like anything about America before Europeans came here? No, I've been taking too many classes on that. I think my American history is given on the basis of like American schools. What I learned was I read Howard Zinn's like American history book, which is definitely a way, 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 way different depiction of history. And it gives an actual like, you know, just all the injustice and different things that America has done for years and years but um yeah i don't know have you yeah yeah i have and that's like that was part of my like learning about my own cultures was um when before the spanish came to mexico there was this massive city called tenochtitlan and it had over a million people 
And if you like, they don't tell you this in history. They just say like, oh, Spanish came and they just wiped everyone out. Yeah. But they don't ever talk about the city. And like, there were like Spanish journals that were talking about like how the city was built on the center of a lake, like where Mexico City is today, but they drained the lake. Mm. Um, you could still see like where the waters used to be. Um, how like meticulously crafted and how straight the streets were, how every single house had like a variety of like all these beautiful flowers because flowers are really important to the uh, Mayan and Aztec people. Mm -hmm. um, Just like how clean they had like their own plumbing system. Each house had fresh water, like how, how like, Even today, we rely a lot on the medicine that the like Aztecs and Mayans like. They were like super into uh, plant medicine and herbs, and like I said, a lot of the stuff we have today still derives from that. Like um, Mayans figured out how to cure like, like all these diseases and illnesses, and they figured out how to use birth control from like a sweet potato. Like it's it's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of these things, they just, you only hear about like the Spanish American War for maybe like a day in your history class growing up, and then you never think about it again. But mm -hmm. they had cities, they had elaborate trade networks going all the way from like the Cherokees and like the Midwest all the way down to Peru and South America. Like they were trading. There is all this art and culture that just, never gets talked about and you have to go to like community you have to go to college and take specific courses in order to actually hear about it or else like majority of people will never know yeah how do you i mean you seem to be really passionate about it and something that you think is super important do you see yourself as someone who can do something about that do you feel you can tell the story and put it out there yeah. a little bit more so it doesn't get forgotten That's the point of the project I'm working on right now. It's I want to either in story writing or in a game where you can actually experience it yourself. I want to give people a taste of all the culture and all the variety that exists on the ground that they stand on. Like how many millions of people walk the ground before you, what their life was like. And yeah, definitely. Hopefully by giving them a taste of something different, then they'll do their own research or I can make another project later on going more in depth. Yeah. It would be cool to have like an augmented reality sort of thing where you point your phone or whatever your tablet, some sort of vision thing, but you look at something and it tells you what sort of ancient civilizations existed there yeah. on that piece of land or, you know, groups and colonies that used to live there. Mm -hmm. That would be super cool. There's actually um, not, I don't know about that, but there is um, an app on my phone. It's called like Dark Sky Finder. And um, hmm. basically you turn on your phone and it uses your compass to align itself. And even in daytime, you can look at your phone and it shows you all the constellations that are around you. Oh, like yeah. Below your feet or totally. above your head. Mm-hmm. I think and, uh, I used that in my astronomy class last semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fun. That's rad. Do you think that... I don't know. Do you think that with everything happening right now, all the movements and stuff, do you, you think a lot of this history and stuff that you feel is being forgotten, do you think that's going to come to the forefront and people are going to start talking about that more and just American yeah. history and everything is going to change because the people that are advocating and telling it now are obviously coming from not the white Anglo-Saxon voice that has been depicting history forever. You know, yeah. now it's coming from people of color and African-American uh -huh. voices and brown and Asian, you know? Yeah, I'm on the... I do think that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard it before. I'm not sure if you've heard it before, but I'm actually in favor of removing Black History Month. Hmm. How um, so? Do you because, want to elaborate? Yeah, because um, where's White History Month? Where's, uh, where's European History Month? Like, 
that gets taught throughout the entire school year. Yeah. But it's only for during the shortest month of the year, mind you, Mm -hmm. that people actually talk about black history when black history is American history. Yeah. And what they teach in black history month growing up and also in college is all the same, like slavery, um, Harriet Tubman, the underground railroad, Mm -hmm. Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. And then that's it. Yeah. When there's so much more to that, how there were black people that contributed to the founding of the country how like basically there were like there was an own African militia in the war that like won America's independence how you hear about Paul Revere and how he wrote to like tell people the British were coming he had a African partner that was running in the opposite direction to also tell people like Paul Revere rode south and I think the African guy went north and the African guy also had like his own crazy adventure where like he almost got caught and he had to hide and uh, all this crazy stuff. But you only ever hear about Paul Revere mm-hmm. or if you hear about anything in black history month that usually almost exclusively revolves around slavery or um, like only negative things and they don't give you any hope. Yeah. And there's so much African American history that they just, don't talk about but actually adds to the story of our country yeah definitely i'm in favor of removing black history month because like i said before it only gets delegated to 28 days and then you just never talk about it again and yeah when you do talk about it it's just all the same stuff sure it needs to be a foundation of american history not just one month when we well, I think Black History Month started in like the 1960s. And oh, okay. For that time, when absolutely nobody was talking about it, I mm-hmm. think that it was a good start. Sure. But I think that in the year 2020 that we can do better. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that, I don't know, the like superhero industry and the video game industry and these things that you love and have been a really big part of your life. Have you seen a fair representation of African-American and people of color? It's getting better with time. Okay. Um, Almost exclusively all the heroes I could think of are either white or Asian or... Mm -hmm. Because those are the two movies and stories like to romanticize uh, medieval Europe or like uh, dynasty age Asia. Um, And there's like a very small handful of movies that star black actors and even fewer movies that embrace African or even Mexican culture. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because you ask if I see a fair representation of black people in media and as time progresses, it is getting better. But what you see is a lot of the same characters being played out. Like you got the really big black dude that like with like the low voice and he just wants to fight everybody or like Hmm. sassy black girl. Um, Like stereotypical characters. Yeah. Okay. Where it's not even coming from an actual person of color writing these characters, it might be coming from a white writer, director going, oh, we need to diversify this so people think that we're open-minded. And I'm not not asking for, like, black writers to, like, they can only write black people, but if you can write a character without, like, their race and minds, and, like, the same way I'm talking to you, um, like, like, I'm just a, I'm Kai, I'm not, the black guy that you decided to have a podcast with today. <laughs> right. I hope. No, um, not at all. Yeah. If you could just write somebody as a character and then like when you're designing the character, oh, like, hey, this guy can be a person of color. I think that would be a lot better for the people that are watching the show. Yeah. Because like I told you when I was in kindergarten, a person drew a koala and that basically changed my whole life. If you, if you're 
a person of any race and you only see black people on TV being portrayed like sassy or like big thugs or if every Mexican you see on TV has like a really thick accent or like every Indian person is like has their own mannerism, then you're going to grow up thinking that's how all people of color act. Yeah. So I think portraying them in media as normal people is only beneficial. Right. You were talking about that app. My astronomy teacher last semester was from Bucharest. And Mm. I remember her telling us that on the first day. And I was like, oh, cool. And there was this movie called The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman, which this guy's mom dies and her parting wishes is like, oh, go to Bucharest. She means Budapest, but he ends up in Mm -hmm. Bucharest. And it's a very unique, like, European country that not too many people know about. So when she said that, I was like, oh, cool, that's awesome. And I was like, have you seen that movie? And her first response was, yeah, I started it. It seemed cool. But about 20 minutes in, I could tell that their accent was so unauthentic and not really a representation of how our accents are. And I couldn't watch it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, man. It A lot goes into the process of storytelling and... If it's from the perspective of, um, like, if it's American, if it's an American production that's portraying something that's happening, like, somewhere in, like, undeveloped Asia, then, like, it is hard to keep it authentic. And I don't feel like you should be limited to producing films about cultures that you know you can explore you could do your own like deep dive into another culture but if you have the opportunity to make it more authentic then you definitely should yeah i don't think i should be limited in my art if i want to draw in the style of a country that i'm not from or if i want to have a character in my story that's from a culture that i'm not too familiar with but if I have the opportunity to reach out to somebody from there or just take a couple of days and read about the culture, like do my own research, then I think you should. Yeah. Well, is it like an underlying respect for it? So if you were to, I would imagine you're thinking of like Japanese animation type of art, which is sure. really, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people enjoy that art and then maybe don't know a hundred percent about where it's from and where it's rooted or whatever, but having, a respect for it and mm-hmm. admiring the art and wanting to do it from that standpoint, I think is generally more welcome than approaching it from like an exploitative point of view, you know, thinking yeah. that, oh, people love Dragon Ball Z or this animation style, you know, and I don't really like it or whatever, but it'll make me more money. So I'm going to draw mm-hmm. that way and hopefully it garners more attention. Yeah. Or even another important thing is if, if you're gonna draw in that style and you see um, reoccurring symbols in the art, then you should research and know what those symbols mean. Yeah. For example, like uh, our peace sign, which is just two fingers up in different parts of the world, that's the symbol for vagina. That's a symbol for like, fuck you. Yeah. No, <laughs> and totally. if you're gonna, if you're gonna use symbolism or like hand gestures or traditional clothing, instead of just throwing it around and hoping that it makes you more popular because you use it, if you could research and understand what it means first, then you can even utilize it to tell a better story or make your art stand out more, make it more authentic to people, that part of the world that might actually see it. Right. No, totally. hundred percent. Nice, man. So what is, uh, what's the next, like, year or two look like for you what are you going to plan on doing when you get out of college i'm looking at studios around here in oc um i have a couple friends that work at blizzard and uh they do games like overwatch and diablo and uh world of warcraft is their big one Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna try to get an internship there and then hopefully that turns into a full-time position but uh I'll be moving uh, in the 
winter, spring, kind of like February, March time period. I don't know where yet. I'm just saving up right now looking for a house or an apartment somewhere. Yeah. I might even, if I can continue to work remotely, I might even go to, uh, my family owns 30 acres of land in Alabama and they have a couple of like homesteads on there. So I might go out there and just work remotely from there because rent is super cheap. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Nice, man. Yeah. Actually, I've been, it's actually really nice land too. It's like they use it for lump to grow lumber and for crops. There's a couple of times where I thought about just taking my tent and just camping out there like in my own private woods. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, uh, we're kind of nearing the end here. Do you have any advice for anyone that wants to get into 3D art and graphic design and stuff? Don't be... Hmm. I would tell people not to be afraid to try new things and that even though... So when I moved, when I started college, I wanted to be a an illustrator or like a two D animation guy, like the anime stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And my teachers were all encouraging me to do three D because there's more jobs in three D, yeah. um, just because it's so much more technical and basically all the uh, movies you see in theaters these days are three D, like Avengers, like. Anything Pixar, Disney, it's all 3D. Um, But a lot of people are afraid to try just because there's such a steep learning curve. Mm. They get scared and they just don't want to move beyond what they're comfortable with. And I can say um, as someone who's pretty terrible with math myself, I was still able to figure it out. Like I said before, I built my own computer um i'm figuring out all this new software just every day you can learn something new and you can everyone can impress themselves with things that they can like if they actually take that leap of faith and it doesn't even have to be that big but if you try something new every day then you can learn something new every day and you'll impress yourself with what you can do. Yeah. So I would tell people not to be afraid to try. Um, there's a lot of free 3D software out there, like Blender, like um, uh, a, bunch, a lot of 3D programs I can't think of. And um, just don't be afraid to take that, that first step. Nice, man. Cool. And how can people find you? Or do you want people to find you? Yes. Um, I have a YouTube channel and an Instagram account that are the same name, just Kai the Art Guy. Nice. And K-A-I. My, yeah. Kai, K-A-I, the Art Guy. All spaces between the words. Got it. Cool. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me. Thanks for having me. That was yeah, fun. Man. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. As always, please head to the thedoublelifepod.com for more.